this and today I'm with uh, Catalina Duque uh, from uh, Misiongre Foundation in Colombia and we're going to talk about uh, peace, we're going to talk about non-violence, we're going to talk about the social situation in Colombia and, and the activities and project of the foundation. Catalina, welcome to Face to Face. Thank you very much, David. Very happy to be here today. You. Um, we, we start about uh, the foundation, the work uh, you are doing, and uh, can you give us an, an overview a little bit of what is the situation in, in Colombia and, and in parallel to the peace process? Sure. And the pandemic, well, I, if, sorry. I sorry. guess I can believe by sharing a little bit of my experience of growing up in Colombia, mm -hmm. a country that has suffered more than 50 years of an armed conflict, very complex with very different actors. And I guess all Colombians grew up in the middle of a beautiful country with very rich in culturally and in terms of biodiversity. But unfortunately, we also grew up full of fear. I actually recall a childhood with bombs and kidnaps surrounding and many, many manifestations of violence that really have affect, I would say, most of Colombians. Of course, there is people, especially in the rural areas, who have been highly impacted by this. Colombia has more than 9 million victims, direct victims of the armed conflict. Yeah. Um, and we have one of the highest rates of internal displacement, for instance. Uh, four years ago, the Colombian government signed a peace treaty with the oldest um, left-wing guerrilla from Latin America, FARC. Yeah. And I believe it was a very important step to address the root causes of violence in Colombia, including land distribution, including political participation and deepening the democracy, among others. But of course, signing a peace treaty is only a first step because we believe in Misangre that peace is not signed at the, uh, on a table of a negotiation process, but in the table, the daily day table. So in the table of uh, at home, the dinner table or in schools or in communities, everyone has to commit to reconciliation and to build a culture of peace. Um, Misangre Foundation has been working for 15 years to mobilize different actors to activate ecosystems to develop local capacity, especially in young people, so they can become active agents of change. So, Catalina, how did uh, the foundation come about? How? What? Sorry. <coughs> so, 15 years ago, uh, our co-founder Juanes, he's a multi-Grammy award winner, <clears throat> and he's always been very, very. Um, I'm sorry, I need to cough. <laughs> Hold on a second. Okay. Sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry about okay? that. <laughs> it's not COVID, luckily. <laughs> I um <clears throat> I drank uh, the wrong way. It went the, yeah. the wrong way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Sorry for that. So about how it, it how it began. Juan is our co-founder. Uh, he's a multi-Grammy award winner and um, he's been very, very sensible to the situation in Colombia. And actually he uh, wrote many songs. I'm sorry, but I'm, 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 I'm still. Yeah, we have, been, we have been in contact with Juanes when we did the World March for Peace and Nonviolence and we went to Colombia and he helped us to go to the border with uh, um, I, I think it was with Venezuela and we organized a big concert there. I mean, he was really, uh, uh, he, he moved, uh, it, it was very touching to see him in action and doing uh, all of this. It was a great support right. in Colombia. Yeah, Exactly. And everyone who knows his music will know that many of his songs talk about the reality uh, in Colombia, the victims, <clears throat> talking about the ideal to build a peace in Colombia, etc. So uh, he wrote a specific song uh, talking about landmines. And because of that song, he became involved in several national campaigns and started to get in touch with different victims and direct pe people directly affected by this uh, situation. And he decided to create this foundation with a very big dream to contribute to peace building in Colombia. During the first years, uh, we did ded dedicated our work specifically to um, provide support for um, victims of landmines. But as we have evolved, yeah, we of course. decided to broaden that scope and to actually invest our energy and our resources in a more preventive approach. It means this means empowering young people and giving the tools, the capacities, and the right connections for them to contribute to peace building and reconciliation in their own um, communities. So, how do you exactly? How do you do you work on on uh, building this uh, this peace? How do you work with the youth? How does the uh, uh, the peace building uh, process happen? What what? What is your experience and what did you learn from, from doing it during all these years? Sure, David. Well, we have a very comprehensive approach, actually what we call it a systemic approach in the sense that we tackle the root causes and we try to involve as many actors as possible in this process. So for instance, we have different levels of in intervention. One is within public schools in very vulnerable areas, areas that have been affected by conflict and where children are constantly at risk of being forced, recruited to armed gangs, to armed groups, illegal armed groups, or other risks uh, such as uh, substance abuse or different kind of risks that uh, children and youth face in the streets. Um, so here we train teachers in methodologies that we have developed using arts and culture as pedagogical languages uh, to develop social emotional skills like empathy, like conflict resolution, assertive communication, critical thinking, among others that are fundamental for risk prevention and violence prevention. 
And this is also a learning journey that allows them to become more empowered to transform the culture within schools at the beginning. We've seen incredible results in, in this level of intervention. And as year passed by, we decided to go a step further beyond the walls of the school, which is obviously very important and working with different protective environments like the school itself, but also the parents and other community-based organizations. Um, with Leaders of Change, which is this second level, we basically reach youth at risk and we do a learning process or we run a learning experience where they discover their powers as peace builders, they discover their passions, the skills, etc. And then they start reading the context to understand the root causes of violence in their local communities. So what, um, what is roughly the age of, of how the, the, the kids get involved through It's very early, or it's in like middle school, high school. Uh, how do? What is the process? So the first level of intervention is more or less from eight years to 14 years old. The second level goes from 14 or 16, I would say, up to 28 uh, years, because in this level they actually design solutions for uh, the problems that identify. And when we talk about peace, at least in Misangre, we understand that in a broad sense, uh, meaning we're talking more about building a culture of peace. So therefore, uh, the youth who are involved identify initiatives or causes that are quite broad. Uh, some of them are around um, reconciliation. Some of them are, go, are around uh, gender violence prevention. Um, others are more about building a peaceful coexistence through arts and culture. Different ideas that they have are innovative and very applicable to their own realities. And about and four years ago, sorry, go ahead, David. No, no, I, I was just trying to understand how do they see the repercussion of what they do, of their work? Do you, yes. I mean, can, can, can they see it as a, at the building the social fabric? of Absolutely. their neighborhood or their community? Absolutely, it's it's really fascinating to see the transformative power of a children, of a child, I'm sorry, of a young person who has been supported and recognized because sometimes it's difficult to understand that young people who this, who joined an armed, an armed group doesn't really do it consciously or it's it's not a conscious decision um and it is not necessarily because they want to be part of that armed group or not even because of an economic need which of course plays a role but it is much more related to their needs of being of feeling of being part of something yeah. bigger than themselves yeah. that's a very clear yeah recognized and yeah. so the moment you start investing in them and supporting them and the moment they start feeling that they belong to a larger movement because they start working in youth groups, etc. You can see very, very profound transformations. For instance, we have several uh, cases uh, where we've seen and witnessed how they decide not only to say no to joining an armed group, but that they have actually gone out to um, dedicate themselves to their own initiatives. That is the case of Candelo, for instance, who decided to create a hip hop school in his community to 
to protect other children uh, from the same risks. Others do so by creating environmental groups and creating um, different initiatives around that. Like they, they find a passion, they, have, they find a purpose, and they channel that energy into something different. So yes, it's very so now the, the question is, for the older uh, generation, uh, does, does political involvement exist? Does it start to, to get connected to... Uh, because I know it was an issue with the peace process and the referendum linked to the peace process was, uh, you know, the vote to support the yes to the peace process lost. So, and, and I think the use, I don't know if they got... The, the message, but uh, politically, it's uh, it's important for them to 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 also look at this avenue. Absolutely, David. That's a very good question um, because actually, four years ago, uh, we, while we were still focusing in very in community-based initiatives and change agents, but very at the at the community level. We saw the need precisely after the referendum, which for those of you who don't know, at the beginning we had a big abstention and unfortunately the vote, which seems so believable, uh, won the no for yeah. signing the peace process. So at that moment we thought we need to go a step further. We need to uh, support young people to be more involved in the political process. And that's our third level of intervention. We go a, a, a step forward in, and we train them and support them in different ways of political participation. In Colombia, there are many, many mechanisms. Unfortunately, not everyone knows about them, but um, they create, for example, youth platforms, which is an official uh, platform or, or an official way of participating and making sure that young, young people's voices are heard in the political uh, decision-making process or um, a couple of years ago they run um, a big uh, mobilization campaign to incentivate youth uh, or young voters to come out and vote, and vote and do so in an informed way and it was actually the year with the highest turn turnout in the Colombian in Colombian history um, we actually when they move into this level they can join the national network of young peace builders. So this is an additional uh, benefit or, or a way to continue that passion and that level of engagement because they start exchanging knowledge, uh, collaborating to do bigger transformations. We have presence in more than 130 municipalities uh, in around uh, uh, 10 uh, states, departments, or they're calling Colombia. And um, we've seen great results also in terms of influencing public so, policy. So you go beyond uh, Medellin with uh, the base, yes, the, your so, base uh, place, and you, you, you were able to reach out to cover more or less the territory, or how does this work? Yes, uh, we work in many, as I said, in more than 120 municipalities. Wow. Um, mainly in Antioquia, which is the region where Medellin is, uh, but also in Sucre, in Bolivar, in very remote areas of Colombia where it's very, there's also very little presence of the state. So it's important for organizations like this to come and start, and that's the fourth level of, of intervention, also weaving 
partnerships and uh, learning ecosystems with very diverse actors. We bring together universities, uh, schools, government officials, different NGO leaders, community-based leaders, so we can learn from each other, collaborate and accelerate change. So it's not only the direct services that, that we offer, which is very, very important, and perhaps that's where, that's where we see the most tangible impact, but because we want to accelerate change and to scale what we do, we're also collaborating with many different actors to be able to uh, scale up uh, our work. So if we have to, if you were to sit down tomorrow in front of big strengths, political figure or social leaders of organization or other uh, uh, people who, who, who can, what, what will be your request? What, will, what do you see should happen tomorrow to be able to really uh, uh, um, secure peace and, and, and develop nonviolence and develop a democratic society where everyone has a space? Well, Sorry if it's a broad question. It's very broad and it's very <laughs> challenging. It's very difficult. I would say that the biggest issue in Colombia is around inequality. We have a very, very high Gini coefficient. Um, uh, wealth is concentrated in a ver very few uh, individuals. And so I think that's one of the biggest challenges of, of our country and that uh, requires uh, things that were actually agreed in the peace process and unfortunately not all of them has yet been fulfilled. Um, as I said at the beginning, there's um, a challenge around, around land distribution, a challenge around deepening democracy and ensuring there's more participation and more diversity in the democratic process and that's part of what we do as we sangre, but we need more and more and more people um, <clears throat> doing this kind of work because it all obviously requires as well a certain level of education and pedagogy to understand these processes and to understand the broader uh, uh, context. So I would say those two are the most uh, important. Katana, we are uh, almost uh, um, at the end of this uh, discussion. Um, two things. One, it's, do you have project? Do you want to very uh, specifically talk about it? And two, uh, did you have any asking or any uh, plug do you want to for people to know? Uh, yes, well, we have many challenging projects this year. Of course, these are even more challenging because of the pandemic. Colombia had a really long lockdown. Uh, unfortunately, gender-based violence increased significantly during the pandemic. And this is why among different projects, we're taking a strong focus in 2021 uh, in this matter. Um, very innovative projects, not only with training as I descri described and strengthening protective environments, but we're also developing an, an app ba based on blockchain to facilitate um, a protection of women when they face uh, this kind of violence. Uh, we're always seeking for support, uh, any donation, even small donations. We recently launched a program for membership-based donations, like small recurrent donations a month. So I think you can see in the screen right now where you can 
donate, but also if you're interested in contributing your knowledge with your knowledge, with the services that you give, you can contact us, contact us through the web page and we'll be happy to share what we do uh, more in depth to explore possibilities for collaboration. So thank you very much for the interview. Just for you to, to get in, in, in the context, the, the disparity between the rich and the poor is not just in Colombia. In the US, it has been uh, uh, also uh, very clear during the pandemic and the disparity has been affected million people in, in poverty and so on and so forth. So I think some of the issues you were talking go beyond Colombia and are more uh, domestic violence in the US increased by 20 or 25% also during the pandemic. So this is issue that we need to cover at the wild world level or at least in, in our hemisphere. And uh, uh, so thank you so much for the work you are doing. Thank you so much for being in the show. And uh, um, if you have any, in the future, any inf important information, please uh, come back and we will be more than happy to, to have you uh, in, in, in the show again. Uh, Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate this space. You, and you're welcome. So that was your, that was your show face to face. And please keep watching your news on presenza.com. And we hope to hear and see you very soon. Thank you very much. <laughs>